If you're ready to finally start putting the pieces together and get a head start on your sober curious journey, you've got to get in my program, Awaken Sober Living. The secret sauce that really brings it all together is asking the right questions and then actually answering them. And then we go a little bit deeper. So if you're over the trap of trying to figure it out with moderation and stopping and starting all the time, this is the space for you to get a whole new perspective and make space for something new to come through. And that something new is more of you. There'll be a link right here in the show notes for you to go on over and get right in there. You can also just go to visit my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, and we will get going. I'll see you on the inside. I'll be there for you every step of the way. Welcome back, my beautiful listeners, to another episode of Stop Drinking and Start Living. Thank you so much for being here. It's Mary Wagstaff. If you haven't listened to last week's episode on mental hygiene and the ETA practice, please go back and listen to that so that you can understand how to really set yourself up for success for how to say no to a drink. So one of the things that really hinders us from saying no is the emotion that we have when we're saying it. So when we feel like we're in deprivation or shameful or have a lot of guilt or embarrassment and we're making excuses for why we need to say no, it's going to be a lot harder to say no to a drink than if you generated some emotions like confidence and excitement and inspiration and pride or even feeling neutral. And we talked about this last week. One of the key components to starting to dismantle the habit of alcohol is really needing to start from a neutral perspective inside of a liminal space, which is the space in between then and what's to come, where you are and where you want to go, right? There is a process of of change. And when we are really in control of deciding our results on purpose, we oftentimes are in this liminal space of really figuring out how to manage our mind, especially when it comes to the habit of alcohol. There are so many ingrained beliefs and stories and identity and labels and interpretations and thoughts that you really hold true to you right now. It's a big part of your life and your identity. And so by saying no to a drink, essentially what your part of your brain thinks and its survival part of your brain thinks that it is death, 
right? When we say no to something that we associate with so much, we are in fact killing part of the ego because the the part of you that drinks isn't the essence of who you are. You weren't born with a wine glass out of the womb. You weren't mixing up cocktails and going to dance parties your entire life, right? This was a habit that has been created time after time. There was a point in time where you used to hang out with your friends and have parties and have a good time and laugh and have sleepovers and eat cake and, you know, just be giddy when you didn't drink. So really understanding you know, that that isn't the essence of who you are, that it doesn't make you the unique, innate individual, the spark of creative consciousness doesn't have a martini glass attached to it. And it's really important to see that when we do say no to alcohol, there can be a loss of a grieving process, but it's one of those things that's bittersweet, right? It's something that is, it's this interpretation of a part of our past, but when we move things out of the way, which are no longer serving us, we make space for possibility, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I talk about how alcohol really is something that keeps you stuck in the past, especially if you started drinking when your brain was still developing. There is a huge part of you, even if you're a professional, even if you are a mother or a grandmother, um, that is still attached to the part of you when you started drinking. And so to really blow open what's possible for you. You have to just strip your identity down to that was just a version. But in this moment, you can literally shift your identity into, into anything that you want to. This and the ETA practice are probably the two biggest practices that I work on with my clients when we evaluate the before, during, and after part of the process of drinking, of planning, of really choosing our life on purpose. And it is the greatest gift and honor that you can give yourself. We're not taught that, you know, we can be anything we want to be. We really forget that. And it's the, that like be all that you can be kind of mentality really has come with so many rules and inside of kind of a box in our Western culture. But we're really seeing now across the world, especially with technology, has really started to expand our awareness of what's possible and how you can generate more vitality, more energy, more wealth, more love, more community, all of these positive things 
really by using your heart, your mind, and the uniqueness of who you are by, by being authentically you, by sharing your story, by showing up with your unique interpretation. This is what the world needs. And that this is why the story of alcohol in our culture is slowly dying because it's not necessary. I mean, it maybe never was, but it's really holding us back from evolving as humans because when we drink, we are signaling to ourselves that there is a part of us that is needs to be altered. And I wrote kind of just this cute, silly email um, for Valentine's Day about I'm looking for a new love from the song by Jody Watley. And, um, <laughs> and it was really about alcohol because it was like, how could I how could I truly love myself or love something? I thought I loved alcohol so much. I really thought that it was amazing. I was so into it, you guys. I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing. I was the party planner and I still have so much fun. I can't wait to show you what I've been up to lately, by the way. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but it is way out of my comfort zone as far as sharing um, and even sharing with my family, but it's um, it's really it's really blowing my socks off. But anyway, so it was this idea of how could I love something, you know, in retrospect, as I looked back at all my thoughts and my beliefs that altered who I was, that would be like being in a relationship with someone who told me what to wear or how to dress or who to be or what to say. And, you know, that, that situation, that circumstance might actually be um, the truth for someone listening to this right now. And the invitation is that there are no rules for our unique expression here on this planet. Your life is sacred and remember why you came here. You didn't come here to become more of someone else. You came here to be the fullest expression of what was ever was possible for you for your wildest dreams. And that's in the face of adversity and trauma because I have experienced my own set of limitations and stories and, and, and being held back in certain ways. And I also recognize my privilege in a very big way. And I am taking all of that and using it to my advantage, using it to be an example of what's possible for my son and for the next generations that we can continue to support each other through all of the ways that we show up, all of the beautiful interpretations of this life when it comes from a place of love and authenticity needs no apology. And that's what I want to teach you today, how to say no to a drink and really love it unapologetically. And I never apologized for not drinking because I've never really apologized for much about my life. Um, I do have to say though, and this is just kind of a side note, is that when I can't hold, I do often feel guilt for not being able to hold gratitude and happiness all the time, you know, when I'm kind of down or want my life to look differently. You know, I, you guys have heard me talk about my isolation this winter and it was hard. Um, but I also just honored that 
that that was okay to feel a shift and a struggle and and moments and to have to really dive deeper into my emotional process. And actually one of the greatest gifts that I gave myself was asking for help. Um, I don't believe that we can be on our healing journeys and do it alone. It ultimately comes from our brain and from our, our emotions and our thoughts and our actions, but the emotion, um, my, the emotion that I needed to generate to, to have the thought that of asking for help was trust. And I, it's not that I don't trust people, but I had to trust that there was the right modality and the right energy that I could connect with to really help support, um, some transitions that I was going through. And I found um, this really beautiful practice called Eden Energy Medicine that has really, really been supporting me in the most beautiful, subtle ways. But I had to have the emotion and the thought to call in the that practice showing up right when it did and then take the action to to do it um, daily. I do it every single day, a little this little practice. It's beautiful. I teach it to my clients. Um, if it's... Um, something that you're interested in. And I also found a local practitioner that is a, an advanced practitioner in, in this art form. And, um, she was amazing. She was lovely and I'm still doing work with her. So we have to, to be able to, to pause, to know that, you know, when we go around in this circle and our ETA is non-existent to the result that we want, we have to stop and ask, where is there a new trajectory? What am I not seeing? And so for me, this part of planning ahead of time really is one of my morning rituals. I am still in a place where by the end of the day, my kind of patience, um, wanes and I, my cognitive load is a little bit full from, you know, being kind of in close quarters with Emmett. We try to get out as much as possible and have as much fun as possible. But you know, if you have a child or you've been around a child, you know that they're very demanding. You're like, they're a little made at their beck and call, doing everything for them, picking up, so on and so forth. And a lot of that is a choice too. But anyway, I digress. Let is, let's get back to where we were going here. So honoring yourself by planning ahead of time. A lot of times when we think about doing something, we think about how, it'll be, how it will turn out or how we'll feel based on the past evidence. But when you plan ahead of time and you decide something on purpose, you get to choose how you're going to feel rather than letting the circumstance or the thoughts that you've generated in the past that have created emotions dictate the outcome. And this is such a mind-blowing new way to do things. And, I, and I've definitely talked about this on the show, but you've all had the, the experience of having a plan not really wanting to get up and get ready to go. And then you go and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I went. I had such a great time. This happens more, like the way that we interpret the situation is always worse than it always ends up being. And 
why does this happen? It's because our brains go to fight or flight mode before the actual event takes place. We create a hypothetical situation that affects the body even before it happens and we create the worst case scenario. And it's because we are having to expel and expend more energy. Until you start practicing thinking on purpose and slowing down and growing your awareness like the ETA practice does, your brain will go into default mode of no, saying no to a drink, meaning the worst thing ever. Instead of dreading the evening and then later saying, oh, it wasn't so bad and I'm glad that I went, you can decide how you f- how to feel ahead of time rather than how you think you will feel. Now, you could continue, especially with the habit of alcohol, because you're going to have um, what's c- called cognitive dissonance, which you are going to generate evidence in your brain to support that thought of deprivation. But you don't want to feel like that. And if you decide you're going to feel like that on purpose and like, I'm just going to go here and pout and sit in the corner and not drink, that is why it's not sticking. This is called self-sabotage so that you are, you are actually just deciding on purpose you're not going to have a good time. And we all know when we've done it, when we've been pouty or when we've had to go to a place and it's like, mm, I'm just going to feel like this, right? You're not doing anyone a favor and most importantly yourself, right? Like So that is really the essence of self-sabotage is knowing that you have a choice, but sticking to the, the past evidence and the past thought patternings that you've created or trying to generate evidence to your detriment right? Say, look at everyone else is having fun, but me, which all that anyone else is doing when they're drinking is just lowering their inhibitions because the actual circumstances of the situation aren't actually changing. And when you start to do this, and when my clients start to do this, what they see is that there, there gets to be a point where the party's only still going or the event because there's alcohol. Like the actual activity, the actual event, the actual things that transpired that were enjoyable, the conversation, the food, the music, um, they've already happened and passed. And so, so much of drinking is really going past kind of our biological clocks, our circadian rhythm, and just keeping us up and not wanting the party to end just because the booze is still flowing. And when I do this work with my clients and we kind of have these romanticized versions of what a drink, you know, on the beach would look like. And then we look at in real time what actually happens. There's about like 20 minutes where it might feel okay. <laughs> and then the rest is kind of downhill. But then that's when people keep drinking because they keep wanting to go back to that feeling, Right. And that's why it's hard to say no to one because you keep wanting to have that feeling unless you decide ahead of time that also and you plan for it and you prepare for it. Like you set yourself up knowing I'm going to watch how this feels when I just have one. And when that starts to decline because I'm having, you know, giving myself say two glasses of water after the first one, I notice my natural inclination to want to go to more because that is how I'm going to keep this sustainable feeling, but it never goes back to that feeling. And like I was saying earlier, it is an altered state. It's not, it is not who you are. Now people will say, I don't feel, 
different after one drink, but you even one drink affects the chemicals in your brain. You can't have one drink without it affecting the chemicals in your brain. So you might not actually be noticing it, but it is changing and releasing chemicals in your brain that are glowing, going into your bloodstream and changing your nervous system. Actually putting your nervous system on high alert from the moment you have a drink, your body is already going into detox mode and repairing itself. And that's why quitting alcohol is so challenging because part of the brain thinks it needs it for survival, even though to its detriment, it's actually creating so much more stress in the body than the illusion of it. And and I really think in our modern day world, it's because alcohol is so strong and because it's to such great excess that, um, that there's, you know, no breaks and, um, the history of alcohol. I, um, been reading the mists of Avalon and they talk a lot about like beer or wine being offered as just kind of like in lieu of water. And I think so much of this was because the water (laughs) needed to have go through this process to eliminate the natural bacteria in the water, but it was a much different drink too. It was, um, more of just like a multi water. It wasn't these high concentrated, um, high concentrated drinks. So I do believe that the, not to say people didn't have effects of it, but I do think that the way that alcohol is in our culture right now is very strong and it's, it's so prolific that it's just really hard to get away from. So you have to first pause and go back to that ETA practice. What is the emotion that's generated when you start to think about just naturally about going to an event or, you know, say to a dinner or hosting a dinner even and saying no to a drink. So you have to decide what that emotion is. And then what are the thoughts that are generating that emotion? So if it's, if you have a hard time saying no to a drink, then you're feeling deprived or lack or shame or guilt then the thought is going to be something like, I'm not going to have as much fun or there's something wrong with me. Why can't I? I want to. It's going to be a a sentence in your brain that when you say it out loud is going to generate a vibration that is not going to feel great. So you can pause there and just notice like, but even if I felt this emotion, it wouldn't kill me. So I could still feel this emotion and get through my evening without drinking, right? But you're going to an event and you want to feel better. You want to feel proud. You want to feel excited. So what you do instead of dreading the evening and later, you know, saying that you regretted it or finding all of that evidence you can plan ahead of time to decide how you want to feel on purpose. So first you have to really look at why are you saying no to a drink to begin with? I'm assuming mostly it's because it is starting to cause you more pain and suffering and the habit is getting stronger and stronger than it's even worth. And you are having negative implications that are reaching into many areas of your life, coming down to ultimately your health, your mental and your physical health. So when you look at this, and if you just looked at these reasons 
and didn't attach it to alcohol. And you can even kind of think about like if your best friend or a sibling or your children were to say this to you, how would you respond to that? Would you respond to that with a bunch of shame if someone was making a change for their physical and mental health? You know, I decided I'm going to go for a walk every single day and stop my evening um, Netflix watching because it really helps me to get grounded, to just be present. I'm really working on my cardiovascular health and I want to increase the circulation and my blood. Would you ever shame someone for that? So you could literally use those exact same words about drinking and feel great about it. So you have to ask yourself, what is the story that I've created about what not drinking means about me? And you can simply decide from a place of confidence that I'm doing this because I want to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Or whatever your underlying reason is, I want to feel better. I just want to feel better. I don't want to be controlled by a habit. When you change your relationship with alcohol and live an alcohol-free life, um, you know, in the longer term, in the later stages, it really shows you how strong the habit is because thoughts will still continue to come up that are simply just the habit. It doesn't mean at this point I respond to them, but they still come up every once in a while. And the tether to that habit is just so strong that I don't want to have a tether to any habit that's like that, that's you know, controls my thoughts and my emotions and determines how I spend my time. So you choose. That's the first step to decide from a place of inspiration why you don't want to drink. And now you don't need to say anything to anyone, but that's going to start to generate confidence and inspiration, generating some thoughts about why you're not drinking in a positive way. Not because I'm a shit show, I can't handle my alcohol, not any of that, right? What is the real reason on the other side of that? Like, what is the result? Because I want to show up more fully present for my children, because I want to advance at work, because I want to write a book, because I want to um, feel healthier and more vibrant and you know, lose 10 pounds, whatever it is, you know, understand your, your why underneath all the layers, because the alcohol has become a stronger habit than I ever intended. And I really want to nip it in the bud because it's just not necessary, but I spend a lot of time thinking about it. So write all those reasons down. And then How you plan is going to be coming from your ETA. So decide on what the event is. So we'll just use the example of going to a friend's birthday party. And now 
what is your intention of going to that birthday party? Well, it's to see your friend and to help them celebrate their life, right? I mean, most of all, right? It's to go have some fun, to maybe eat some good food, to chat with some people you haven't met, seen in a while, to maybe meet some new people. But most of all, it's your friend, it's your good friend, and it's their birthday. And this is the other thing about when we change our relationship to alcohol, we kind of get out of our own way. Like this isn't about you. And are you going to go show up as a good friend and be present for them? And even if they're drinking or are you going to make it about you? Right? So this is an opportunity to really step outside of yourself and validate someone else's experience, really be present and a good listener for others. So to, to be in that place, to be present, what's the emotion that you need to generate? Excitement right? Well, what makes you feel excited? What is a thought that makes you feel excited? I haven't seen these people in a long time and I can't wait to just get out of my house and see the smile on my friend's face when she, you know, sees all these people showing up for her. It could be as simple as that, right? So it's your emotion, your thought, and then your action is going to be to stay present to listen. In the beginning stages, you just want to step back. You want to get out of your own way. And the other action that you're going to take is to give yourself permission to leave whenever you want to. So you don't need to decide to stay till the shots are flowing. You can go, spend a couple of hours, bring something tasty to drink and to share that's non-alcoholic and you don't even need to talk about it. People aren't going to, someone might offer you a drink, but they aren't going to be, um, you know, worried about what you're drinking. And if they are, you simply say, no, thank you. I'm not drinking tonight or I'm not drinking alcohol tonight, or I've got a drink, right? You don't need to make an excuse because you have your unflinching why. And so you take control of planning your life on purpose by doing this in every circumstance where you are feeling a little uneasy, where you're feeling like you would normally be drinking and you're creating a hypothetical story beforehand that is generating a negative emotion or generating an emotion that doesn't feel great. So that's when you know to do this work. And it literally takes five minutes and then you can have this boost of confidence and all these amazing thoughts about honoring yourself and then showing up at a place and honoring this other person and their life. When you honor your life by deciding on purpose, the emotions you will feel when you enter into a situation, you gain more control over your life than you could have ever imagined. Oftentimes, I will want to do something like host an event or create a workshop or a program but I haven't yet planned out the details. And instead of waiting for my mind to object or say I want to 
start a new practice and learn something new, the mind is going to tell me all of the reasons why it won't work. So what I do to interrupt that is I schedule it in where now I'm accountable to some other person or some other thing, or I've spent money. Now, this doesn't always work because we know that we have all signed up for a class, purchased a thing, and never used it. Now, sometimes that can be just the tuition to listen to your intuition, which should also be a podcast episode. Um, But What I then do if I go back and look at my intention behind it, is this something I really want or am I telling myself that I, that I should be doing this, right? Like going to an event or going to a party. Do I really want to go to celebrate this person? Do I really want to host this dinner, right? I mean, sometimes we have to move through discomfort to get to the result that we really want to prove to ourselves that the emotion of discomfort won't kill us. But if I really want that, then when I schedule it and now I'm accountable, I've spent the money, other people are expecting me, so on and so forth. You know, I've invited someone over. Well, now I can go back and do the work of of planning on purpose, of deciding ahead of time so that I can go back and say, okay, well, how do I really want to feel while this thing is happening? What is the emotion that I really want to generate? I want to be excited and inspired, right? I want to be curious and open. I want to be expansive. The gesture alone of holding your, pulling your shoulders back and gazing up in an aspirational gesture will create an emotion for you of possibility rather than thinking, I can, you know, I can do it on my own. This isn't going to be fun. I'm not going to talk about it. Contracting, constricted, right? And so when you decide to go to an event or just simply turn down a drink. Maybe your partner is a drinker and offers you a drink in the evening. How do you want to feel simply about saying no thank you? How do you want to feel when you wake up the next morning proud of yourself? I don't have this feeling much anymore, but when I was drinking, I remember when I didn't drink, the days when I didn't drink, and waking up and feeling literally, thank God, thank God that I didn't drink. I mean, to only go back and do it later seems crazy, but that feeling of feeling so proud, so excited that you can face the day with confidence. Now, what I'm telling you, ladies, is the habit of alcohol is just a habit. It is actually much easier than you think. The thing that's getting in your way the most is the belief that you can be happy on the other side of alcohol. But the truth of it is you can't even imagine the possibility on the other side of alcohol right now. Even if you've taken long breaks before, it is a mindset shift. It is that eagle flying over the landscape in possibility rather than staring through a tunnel of darkness, right? So you have to, you have to ask yourself, you have to get excited about what you don't know, 
that curiosity is another an amazing emotion to generate for how to say no to a drink and love it. Get excited about getting dressed for an event, right? You get to start to enjoy all of these other aspects of life that were once really fun that have kind of taken a backseat to alcohol. So, you know, kind of primping yourself, picking out an outfit, maybe doing your hair, um, deciding on a menu, right? Getting excited about a gift or writing a card. My clients are always blown away with how much time they have to do these little things that add so much more long-lasting joy to their life than just a moment of drinking and, you know, those those same events that perpetuate the same experience, essentially. The experience that you're having while you're drinking is just that. Nothing new is happening. Like I was saying, the the party is only still going because the alcohol is still flowing, right? If it wasn't there, you'd be going to bed. That's the natural progression of of what your body wants. But when alcohol is not there, wow, all of a sudden there's actually new possibilities of what you're paying attention to because your mind isn't in that tunnel vision absorbed by the alcohol, by the where's my next drink. And you can't fully understand it until you experience it. But once you experience it, the downtimes and the really upbeat times are all welcomed in. I would much rather feel kind of depressed and lethargic than tipsy or drunk ever again in my life. And I'm so blessed to have discovered the process of emotional intimacy And so, so, so grateful that I showed up to say no to alcohol with curiosity and love and a little bit of humility and a little bit of vulnerability, but not with shame and not with regret. And so really asking yourself, why? Why is the shame necessary or the hiding if the intention of the reason that you're doing this is to have a better life? And I've said this on the show and I'll say it again. Every single time I unapologetically, from a place of vulnerability and compassion, said to someone, you know, I'm exploring my relationship with alcohol right now. It wasn't serving my life. And, and you don't even need to say that much. Um, every single person I talked to said, yeah, I've really been thinking a lot about that too. Because I hung out with people that drank. <clears throat> so when you are unapologetically you, you have no idea how much you open a doorway for others to do the same. and. All you simply need to say is no thank you. And you don't need to have an excuse. You don't have an excuse for wanting to go for a walk. You don't need an excuse for wanting to drink water. You don't need an excuse for wanting to go to bed at night 
early and you don't need an excuse to change your relationship to alcohol and live a more vibrant, happy life where your inner light is shining. I am so excited to hear about your first time saying no to alcohol and loving it. Send me a note. I would love to hear all about it. And if you have any questions for things that you would like me to talk about on the show, I would also love to support that. I'll put all the links in the show notes when you are ready to take the next step in honoring the individual uniqueness of who you are and shining it full and bright out into the world of this sacred life that is yours. I would love to talk to you. Sign up for an alignment session and we'll get you going. Have a great day.